Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to the Ghost Story, guys. I'm Brendan Storer. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is the show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 70, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing good, Brennan. How are you doing? I am good. Welcome home. Thank you. You have been out voyaging. Wandering. For two weeks? Yeah, yeah, about, yeah, 12 days, yeah. Yes, and if you want to hear more about Ian's wacky adventures, which <laughs> involve bed bugs, and those are always the funnest, the oh most fun stories. Oh my God. <laughs> Head on over to uh, patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys and our Cabin Fever episode, which our patron exclusive We'll have all those details and all the other wacky crap that Ian and I get up to that just doesn't fit in the show anymore. But or we need securely fastened behind a paywall. Yeah, or, or that. Yeah, so, sometimes <laughs> there is potentially libelous stuff we have to hide. Yeah, there is, there is always that. Are you excited for our final volume of listener stories for October? There I is. know what's coming, so yes. Yeah. And as the guy who generally reads these stories first, um, yep. I definitely have my fan favorites. I'm the fan, Um, (laughs) but I don't generally make recommendations to you. Like I will sometimes gold star a story if I think, oh, this is, this one's really good. Like I could really use this one, but the story we're ending tonight with, I read it, I read it again, and then I forwarded it to your personal email. Yeah, I, I would surprise. It doesn't happen very often. That does not happen. I think the last time I did that was when we did that, um, a very special ghost story, guys. Oh, God, yeah. You remember that? That, yeah, that was the was... same kind of reaction I had to this story we're going to tell tonight. Yeah, I, I had a similar reaction, actually. That was uh, when the other side is on your side. That was, that was it, yeah. I want to say 22, Good maybe? grief. Yeah, I know. An age ago. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> As for me, I will, I am, uh, I'm freshly unemployed. Yes, you are. You lucky bastard. Yeah. <laughs> that's one word for it. Oh, uh, <laughs> the truth shall set you free. You know, I, I, it wasn't a surprise. I kind of knew it was coming. You're right. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't obviously can't get into too deep into specifics, but th- what happened was the project I was working on started with one goal in mind, uh, but they were looking for funding 
And then as I understand it, when the funding started to come, uh, it came with a different set of priorities. And so the people who brought me into the project, uh, they left. Right. And then I was still left, but I was still part of the old team. Right. And so I was dismissed shortly thereafter. But, right. I mean, they were kind enough to give me 10 days severance pay. Nice. Which, technically, I was a contractor. They didn't have to give me. No. So, that yeah, it was nice of them. And, I mean, I wish them all the best. I hope it works out. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was just not, it wasn't a, It wasn't the right fit. You know? No. But uh, it's nice to, you know, it's nice to be part of something that uh, I'm being let go because it's succeeding as opposed to the opposite yeah, for <laughs> sure. Know, um, although, I don't know. Is that better? Hey, we're doing really well. We don't need you anymore, you <laughs> bastard. We need a better caliber of people. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we need... Taller, uh, thinner, blonder. Yeah, bigger, stronger, faster. <laughs> oh, boy. Not again. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah. But uh, we'll see what happens. I, you know, I'm, I remember when I was laid off in January. Uh, it was because the company kind of went under, went dormant. Right. And, you know, I was really quite scared. I just didn't know what to expect. And now I'm more accepting. I'm I'm excited to see what happens. Because, you know, there are some things coming on the horizon that just, even if they don't pan out, it says to me that, you know what, if I try, then I can maybe make this work. Oh, totally. And you have mad skills. You'll be fine. Oh, you're too kind. No, whatever you think you're, you you want to do, you're going to be able to do it. I'm not even worried about that. Well, fair enough. So I'm not quite as convinced as you are, but I'm getting there. I'm <laughs> getting there. That's good. So so we shall see. But we should get to the stories, although before we do, we should. of course, we have to shout out our musical guest for the month of October. Yes. That is the mighty Vampire Stepdad, who you can find at VampireStepdad.com and everywhere you stream your music. Tonight we're going to share two selections because it is, in fact, our, our final Halloween episode for this year. During the interstitials, we're going to share selections from his song Behind Your Furnace from the album Songs to Haunt a House To. He released that last year, and it's a collection of really creepy atmospheric tracks. And then when we go out at the end of the show, and I'll mention this again at the end, but we're going to go out to the theme song from his album Night Shift from 2017. And that's just a fun take on. 80s cop drama chase music. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah. So that's Vampire Stepdad. Again. Not my real dad. <laughs> that's right. He's better. <laughs> he actually is mm-hmm. in, in every conceivable way. Well, yeah, because my the, real dad's dead. Oh, fair enough. And, and mine may as well be. <laughs> Yay, Vampire Stepdad. <laughs> On that dark, dark note, <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, the curious case of Mr. Bumblebuzz and other stories. Welcome back. As we said before the break, this is our last volume of uh, listener stories before the end of Halloween. Although I think we have so many, we'll probably do one more listener show before our Christmas break. Before we get there though, uh, we actually, both of us had a couple unusual things happen over the last couple weeks because we, we recorded the last show really early. I think we recorded the last show episode. It was almost a month ago. Uh, was it that long ago? Well, it feels like a long it time. It was a long time ago, either way. So you go first. You sent me a message the other day. I did. I, you know what? For someone who is so heavily immersed in this whole ghost thing, 
I don't have a lot of shit happen. I really don't. So I have a front doorbell that as soon as you push that doorbell, it begins recording or motion, senses motion. Right. And the new Nest Hub Max does the same thing. So if there's motion somewhere, it sends you a message and a picture or more like a five second clip of what it's seeing. Right. So I was out. The house was empty. We have no mobile pets. There's fish tanks. That's it. There's nothing else in the house. And my phone buzzed, and it made a weird sound, like the sound it does when the camera's active. So I assumed I was going to be looking at someone at my front door. And when I pulled the phone out, it said, kitchen. And when I pulled it out and looked, it was literally a dark shadow crossing over the camera. Jesus, dude. And I looked at it, and I showed it to everybody I was with. I'm like, what does this look like to you? And everyone's like, it's a shadow. That's... That's some shadow going from the left to the right. So from the dining room over to the living room. And I'm oh. just like, I don't know what to do with that. And of course, you didn't save the clip. No. Oh, man. When I, when I asked you if you'd save the clip and you went, oh, I missed it, I could have killed you. Well, I don't really know how. And honestly, what's it going to matter? I mean. I wanted people, to see it, God damn it. Well, no, but people send me shit like that all the time. Oh, I, no, I know. And it, it doesn't prove anything. I don't know anything. what it is. It yeah. doesn't prove anything. So it really wasn't a high priority to me. But I did go back into the house with a little more uh, respect. <laughs> <laughs> right. But nothing else has happened. There's been nothing else. So No, and, and you know, for the longest time, it was quiet for me too. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's ramped up as we've gotten closer, sort of more <gasps> through October. Halloween. Yeah, but yeah, more or less. I mean, uh, I, I actually don't know if I told you about this one. Um, I, I mentioned this on the Cabin Fever show. Right. The first one. Uh, I was over in Vancouver for five nights with my friend who's over there receiving medical treatment. And we stayed in this medical hostel. Right. And we checked in. It was, you know, uh, five or six in the evening. And as we were checking in, the uh, fire alarm went off. Right. And this woman came out of the room right behind the office and said, it's going off in my room. I don't know why. There's no fire. Right. So we checked in. They turned off the alarm. It went off again. It was a whole thing. So after they checked me in, I went upstairs. I was on the third floor. My room was directly above the room where that alarm was going off. Right. And I felt something sitting on the far bed. Oh, boy. And Because it's a very utilitarian uh, room. Right, you know, it's right. It's two single beds. Very simple. Yeah, very simple. Two single beds, a little table, a little kitchenette. And, uh, you know, smaller, way smaller than the studio. And, yeah, I felt something just just there. You know, and I got dizzy as well. As soon as I walked in the room, I got dizzy. And right. that's generally a good sign that something's going on. So I, I walked in, I got dizzy. I spoke to it. I said, look, you and me are going to be roomies for the next five nights. We got to get used to each other. And so when I would make tea, I would just pour a little bit for it right. you know, as an offering. I would, if I ate something, I'd break a little bit off, put it next to the sink as an offering. Right. And we sort of achieved equilibrium eventually. And, and I, I think eventually it just, you know, got sick of watching me walk around in my underpants. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Right. And, and was just kind of done with it. But that whole place had mojo. Uh, there was another place too. Um, I, I won't get too specific on here because I know my friend really likes his privacy, but we were in one of the treatment areas and the treatment is meant to last a certain amount of time. But when we got to the end of the treatment, which is about three hours, the nurse had actually forgotten to start it. No. So we had to stay there for another three hours and they they had to keep the whole ward open longer than it should have because... I want to say we, this happened about 4 p.m. Right. 
and we should have been out of there in an hour. Instead, we were there till seven. Oh, wow. And this whole side of the floor was empty except for us. And again, you, you want to talk, uh, heavy and presence, stay on a completely empty half a hospital floor at that time of night. And actually the other side may even have been empty. So it could have been mostly empty, but it was, yeah, it it was pretty intense. Yikes. And then finally, the only other kind of dramatic thing that happened, and this is, I don't even know how to interpret this, but, uh, my wife went to conference, went to a conference in another town, uh, shortly before I went to Vancouver. Right. And so I had the place to myself for about four nights, which is unusual. And one night, because my schedule, you know, goes to hell, I'm a night owl anyways. And then when she's gone, it gets bad. I was sitting on the couch enjoying some herbal refreshment, we'll say, uh-huh. watching uh, a very, very cheesy movie from the late 90s. When in the hallway next to me, which is, you know, it's it's in the apartment. It didn't come from outside. Right. I heard a man cough. Oh, as if he was just standing there. Yep. Oh, I hate that. And I, again, I was herbally supplemented, huh. um, but I was still very aware. And, and I jumped up and I, I said, hello? Cause it sounded like a person, right. not a ghost, right, not spooky. Right, right, it sounded right. like a man coughed wow. and I thought, Jesus, you know, so I, you know, getting amped up, pretending to look like I know what I would do in a fight and I have no idea, <laughs> a cry mostly. Yeah. Uh, like I, I'm a lot a, of soft weeping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Fetal position. I, I, I was in a couple of fights when I was a kid, you know, and, and I think I was, I was two in one. But, you know, the, the loss sticks with you, right? Yeah. Because they say that, you, you know, what is it they said in Fight Club? You only, you don't really know yourself until you've been in a fight. <laughs> well, what I learned about myself is I don't like being punched in the face all that much. Well, that's weird. It's a real bummer. Yeah. So anyways, get up off the couch, put up the old dukes and, uh, you know, try to pretend like I'm tough. Who, who, who's there? And I walk all through the apartment, no one. But I tell you, I walked into the bedroom and the biggest chill went up my spine. Like the master bedroom? Yeah. Oh, no. And I thought, okay, by the closet too. It's over right. by the closet. The chill went up. And, but I looked through everything, turned on all the lights, no one here. So then I went and sat back down, got myself resorted, blanket, herbal refreshment. And then one of the cats came in through the window and she made a, a sound, like almost like a startled sound. Right. I've never heard her make. Wow. And I swear to God, if anyone puts a hand on my cat, I'll break it. <laughs> I'll break it. And so that got me. So again, I'm up and the cat ran into the living room, hid under a chair and wouldn't come out. Oh no. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. So where did you sleep that night? <laughs> I don't think I slept very much. No. I, I it was in the master bedroom, but I, I had the light on for quite a while. Oh, I think I would have just slept on the couch. That's a good point. I probably should have done that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Anyways, yeah. So well, you live in a super haunted neighborhood. I mean, what do you expect? Oh, I, you know, that keeps getting driven home every time I go for a walk. You at forget, night. don't you? I really do. Yeah. But then I, you know, I've been trying to go for a walk at the end of the night just to get some exercise, get myself out of the house. Yeah. And I have this resistance until I get to the end of my block, and then I start, and maybe another half block away. Oh yeah, there's people. Right. But it's the further out of James Bay I go, the better it gets. Right. But. I don't like walking around anywhere sort of, uh, west or southwest of my apartment past yeah. a certain time yeah. because it just feels, yeah. it feels like there's someone behind you constantly. I, I believe you. And so, yeah, it's uh one day, one day I, I will move out of that goddamn neighborhood <laughs> to somewhere that is not quite so oppressive. <laughs> a little less ghosty. Oh, Jesus. Nice. But anyways, it is time for listener stories. Yes, it is. So let's get to it.
Our first story comes from Bridget. Hi, I've recently started listening to your podcast. I'm an eternal skeptic, but also had enough questionable experiences to not be able to discount the paranormal as at least having a plausible existence. I'm a nurse, and most of us have seen some things. We had a room, 451, that always seemed to have strange occurrences. Everyone who worked there long enough had a story. The call light would go off by itself frequently. The TV would turn itself on. We'd switch out the bed control and call button, but the problem would persist. The floor was not uneven. I actually brought a level to verify it, but the IV pole would roll across the floor untouched. If I had a stable patient suddenly start to go downhill, that was usually the room. Thank you for sharing that, Bridget. You know, I never get sick of hearing this stuff from hospitals because these are rational people, you know, doctors and nurses. I mean, they deal with the mechanics of the body. If there are going to be people who are not into the idea of this kind of stuff, I would assume it'd be them. Yeah. But so many of these stories come out of hospitals. Oh, 100%. 100%. It's crazy. Can you imagine seeing an an IV pole just rolling across the floor? No. I would spin kick that bitch so fast. (laughs) Just... Well, it's not the IV pole's fault. Well, no, it's a principle of a thing. You're sending the ghost a message. <laughs> Show them who's boss. Exactly. Yeah. Right. No, I'm I'm very strong. Yeah, that's very it. fearsome. Very. Hopefully, they weren't listening to me talk about what a wuss I am in fights. We're watching the show where we just, rather we just finished season three of the show, The Good Place. Oh, I love The Good Place. So good. And one character who's there because the idea behind The Good Place is that they are in the afterlife. Yeah. But one character is there was a neuroscientist in life. Yes. And so she will not believe. That what she's seeing is real. <laughs> I you know, love she's it. sort of that stereotype of, yeah. of the doctor I was talking about. Yeah, she just, yeah, yeah. Every, she's just being it up, real pain in the ass to everyone because she thinks that they're all manifestations of her dying oh brain. Oh my God, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a fantastic show, man. It is. It's so Holy brilliant. Shit. I, you know, I, I was recommended to me, I think in season two when I just didn't get around to it, but it is probably, I, I'd say the best show on network television. Well, right I now. recommended it to you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In fairness, your taste with television. <gasps> wow. I, you know, it's just. And yet I hang out with you. Hmm. Well, your taste in people's bad too. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Our next story comes from Rebecca. Before I get into these stories, I have to mention that listening to your podcast has really opened me up, and I feel like I'm now constantly seeing flashes and movements out of the corner of my eye. But when I look, nothing is ever there. Just last week, while driving down the road, I saw what I immediately assumed was a squirrel on the edge of the road. As I got closer, it began to move towards the woods beside the road, and when I say it moved, I mean it didn't scamper or scurry like a rodent but rather it slid as a black mass across the ground into the woods. 
I suppose it could have been a snake. While not typically native to the area, black rat snakes could be around here in theory. But as much as I try, I can't convince myself that that's what it was. None of my other stories take place at my own home, save one, but there are many events that stand out to me now as abnormal, so here we go. First, the worst dream I have ever had, bar none. I was a child, maybe 10 to 12 years old, dreaming that I was in an old dark library, the kind with books that line the walls from floor to ceiling and have a tall, sliding ladder. The room was circular, dusty, and dimly lit, with no visible door or windows. In the dream, I could select a book and fall into the story. They were all gruesome old-school fairy tales, versions I hadn't yet heard in full, and they played out in horrific detail, with me as the main character being chased and tormented. I could slip out of the story back into the library, but there waiting for me every time was a ghoul. It was the most terrifying thing I'd ever seen. It chased me around and around trying to catch me, and I would slip in and out of these stories to escape. Finally, I realized I was dreaming and abandoned my attempts to escape. Instead, I tried to wake up, but it wouldn't work. I couldn't snap out of it. The ghostly being noticed what I was doing and started to taunt me. It told me that it didn't matter if I knew it was a dream. I was trapped here, and I would never wake up. I started running in circles around the library, screaming at my sleeping self to wake up. When I finally came to, I was soaked in sweat and panting for breath like I'd been running laps in gym class. Nothing like that ever happened again, praise Jeebus. Once I was working at a Girl Guide camp, the camp was built on an old farmstead on the Ottawa River, just down the street from an old cemetery. It was my favorite place to spend time during the day as a young adult, but once the darkness fell, there was a different feeling that would sometimes come and make you wish you were anywhere but alone in the deep, dark woods. During that same window of time, I experienced my only home-based visit. Three things to know. My gramps died a few years prior. My parents went out every Friday night leaving me home, and I've always had horrible allergies and a terrible sense of smell. I mostly didn't mind being home alone, except on nights when I was feeling a bit more open and the house would feel extra empty. Once I was standing in the front hall after hearing a strange noise, when my senses were filled with the scent of my gramps the way I remembered it from my early childhood. My body felt warm, and as quickly as it came it left again. That was my only time feeling near him, but it was strong and familiar and comfortable. A few years after I stopped working at camp, a few friends and I decided to go explore an old cemetery. My friend, who was nicknamed Satan, worst nickname ever, he eventually went on to be ordained, wandered off. A minute or two later, I noticed something running back and forth through the tree line in the back of the cemetery. I don't remember its color specifically, but it must have been light and similar in color to Satan's shirt, because we all immediately assumed it was him, and started calling out for him to stop messing around. Wouldn't you know it? He popped up right behind us, asking what the hell we were yelling at him about. We all decided to get the fuck out of there. I used to think we disturbed something in the cemetery, but now looking back, I wonder if what we saw wasn't in the graveyard, but prowling the woods trying to get in. I don't know for sure, but the whole time I wrote this story, I was fighting off tears and intense emotion. None of the others, just this one. My final story is quick. Last week, I was in the coffee shop of a local hospital for an appointment listening to your Pittsburgh episode when the show scrambled and skipped forward several minutes. I reset it to 30 seconds before the glitch and started to listen intently. This time, at the exact same moment to the second, the podcast stopped. This time, because Siri, out of nowhere, activated and wanted to help me. 
I wasn't even touching my phone. I reset the episode again, and it played no problem. Coincidence? Who knows? Funny enough, we've had a few people now write in and say that our show at different points has triggered Siri or, you know, their OK Google or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. And, uh, oh, so yeah, see me saying that now. My phone has come on. <laughs> or glitched. It's glitched out. Yep. And yep. then when they reply it, it doesn't glitch, which in theory can't really happen with digital files. Yeah, you'd think. You'd think. But... Oh, man. I mean, we've had so many weird little technical things. I mean, there was actually something on the previous episode where someone uh, wrote, a few people wrote in to say they heard of, oh, it sounded like a woman's voice Yeah. during the opening of the show. And I went back to the original files and I think what it was is the studio we're in, it's not, it's not a recording studio. It's a jam band studio. Yeah. And there is uh, an intercom system not far from my side of the table. Like it's on the other side of a wall, but it's still there. Right. And I, what I think is, I seem to recall someone was coming or going when we were recording last time. So I think it may have picked up someone talking to the intercom, but it kind of bled through the wall and it sounded like a spectral voice. Yeah. Um, which is funny because we have had actual weird voices. Totally. Turn up. Although not since we got the, the new mix or pardon me, the new, um, interface. Yay. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> so far, so far. Thank you so much for that story, Rebecca. This next story comes from Megan. As many of the listeners and as you yourselves are, I have always been sensitive to energies, spirits, paranormal activity, and so on. In the last several years, my experiences have multiplied. I have lived in my house since 2011. For the first many years, it was shared with my ex-husband. In January 2016, we divorced, and he moved out, generously leaving me the house. Nothing unusual had ever occurred before his leaving. My sister lived with us before he left, and remained as my roommate after he moved out. Soon after the day he left, the activity began. I know what some may think, that this was my ex-husband messing with me out of revenge. I assure you he's not that kind of person, and I had changed the lock shortly after he was gone. The first incident occurred when I was home alone during the middle of the day. It was late January, and I have a basket holding heavy things, such as workout weights, against the wall in my living room, firmly nestled beside a bookcase and a stair step. I went upstairs for a few minutes, and when I came back down, that basket was moved about four feet directly away from the wall. I have two cats and thought perhaps they'd somehow moved the basket while playing inside of it. However, it holds about 50 pounds worth of stuff and was too precisely arranged, as though someone had taken the handles and pulled it straight out from the wall. I looked for the cats and they were curled snugly on the couch asleep, and if a cat had played inside of the basket, it would have been knocked over at least. I thought it was a little odd, but didn't think too much of it. It had been years since I'd had a paranormal encounter. I pushed it back into place and went about the day. A few days later, I was home alone again. There was a messy pile of perhaps six pairs of shoes by the front door. I went upstairs, and when I came back down, this pile had been neatly arranged, each shoe beside its pair in two precise rows. I admit I got the heebie-jeebies and realized there was something bizarre going on, and that something was perhaps trying to get my attention. It was some months before anything else happened. One night, around 11 p.m., the TV upstairs in an office turned itself on. My sister was home, and I thought she was watching it. She came into my room and asked if it was okay if she turned the TV down, since she was trying to sleep. I told her I hadn't touched it in the first place. We were both instantly afraid. I turned the TV off, and we conducted a thorough search of the house together, armed of course, and found nothing. Scared, we decided to stay in the same room that night. A few weeks later, around 6 a.m., my sister knocked on my door and asked if I was whistling. Until that moment, I'd been completely dead to the world and sat bolt upright, immediately awake and, again, afraid. 
I told her I hadn't been whistling because I'd been sleeping. She said she heard a distinct whistling in some random tune, but it sounded like a person was doing it. Another armed search of the house unearthed nothing unusual. We went about our day, but heard the same whistling several times over the next months, always around 6 a.m. At the time, I worked from home and was alone with the cats most days. Later that same day, I was at my desk and heard my sister's electric toothbrush turn on. I tried to rationalize that maybe it was going dead and a short or something had caused it to turn on. I hadn't convinced myself. It turned itself on several more times over that same week. She kept the toothbrush for another year, but after that week, whatever was in the house decided it was bored and it stayed off when it was supposed to be off. There were several more small things like the TV and the toothbrush and whistling over the next couple years, but we eventually grew used to it and just a little wary when something would happen. Then things escalated after my sister moved out in January 2018. I lived alone for six months, and whatever energy, ghosts, or spirits were in my home decided it was time to really play. One night as I lay in bed, I heard enormous crashing and banging, as though someone had taken all of the pots and pans and lids and was throwing them around downstairs in the kitchen. This continued for several minutes. I was immobile with terror. When the noise subsided, I grabbed a baseball bat I kept beside my bed and tentatively made my way downstairs, prepared to find a huge mess and possibly an intruder. But nothing was out of place. No pans on the floor or pots where they shouldn't be. I couldn't believe it. I hurried back to my bedroom with cats in tow, locked the door, and attempted to sleep. It was long in coming. The crashing and banging became such a regular occurrence at night during the next couple months that eventually I got so fed up I screamed out, Shut the fuck up! I'm trying to sleep! To which the sound immediately stopped, as though the spirit was sorry to have kept me awake. March 2018. I have a bathroom right off my bedroom, so I don't need to venture out to the rest of the house after I close my bedroom door. My nightly routine had become to shut off all the lights, close and lock my bedroom door as I got ready for bed. This night was like any other, and I locked my door after shutting off all the lights in the rest of the house. I went to my bathroom to get ready for bed. I hadn't shut the door to the bathroom and would have heard if anyone had entered or tried to get into my bedroom. But when I came out, my bedroom door was wide open and all the lights upstairs were on. I was spooked, of course, but somehow unsurprised. I told the spirit it was not welcome in my room and to please stay out from now on. I shut off all the lights, closed and locked the door, and went to bed. I was laying in bed, cats at my feet, almost asleep, when distinctly I heard two voices, male and female, arguing in a loud whisper just outside my door. I was instantly awake. It stopped after maybe five seconds, but it was enough to jolt me fully out of sleep. I hadn't moved except to open my eyes, and I would have just passed it off as my sleepy mind playing tricks, except my cats were on high alert, staring intently straight at the door, where a few minutes before they had both been asleep. I called out, and of course, no one answered. I did the usual armed search of the house, and again, nothing amiss. So I tried as best as I could to sleep. The next day, as I was walking down my stairs mid-morning, I heard a loud whispering again, but it was only the female voice this time, behind me at the top of the stairs. Every hair on my body was raised, and I froze in terror for a moment, listening. The voice had stopped after only a few sentences, but I had that feeling as though I was being watched. I turned around once my muscles started to work again, did a quick scan behind me, and quickly went outside to feel sun on my chilled skin. These types of occurrences have happened with regularity since 2016. I've had two roommates since June 2018, and neither has ever admitted to experiencing anything strange. However, my current roommate was locked out of his bedroom late one night a few weeks ago. Though the energy in my home is mischievous, and sometimes I feel a little spooked, I've never felt it was malevolent. 
or that it wants to harm me. It seems more like something just wanting to play and like maybe it is trying to get my attention. And surprisingly, sometimes it feels like they're protecting me. Sometimes they're polite. When I ask them to stop doing what they're doing, they listen. For a while, at least. It may sound odd, but I can feel that there are individual and specific energies in the house during heightened activity. They feel as individual as any human, with their own personalities and traits. The number of entities I feel from day to day varies, anywhere from one to four. One feels female, the rest male. I have mostly learned to live harmoniously with them. Great story. Yes, I really, really like that one. And I, I just love too that it, you know, it's again, it's it's a happy, reasonably happy story about learning to live in harmony with whatever the hell this stuff is, because we don't really know. Well, and that's really the key, I think. It, you know, there's no exciting uh, ghost stories about ghosts that just hang out and do your laundry. That would um, be great, though. <laughs> or have good dental hygiene, as in this one. Um, you know, Remember but, to floss. But that is the majority of real ghost hauntings. Yeah, and, and I notice so many people, when they write in, feel like they have to qualify that, you know, I don't think it's malevolent. And, and I, right. I blame movies for that. Absolutely. I think... Uh, and, and television. Yeah. Because everything's demonic. Well, it has to be, or it's not very exciting. Yeah. No, so that's fair I get enough. it, but yeah, it's not really reality-based. No. I mean, aside from the story that we're going to finish with, we so rarely hear about, you know, truly malevolent things. I think right. most of the time it's fear of the unknown. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or we're just spooked. Yeah. Which, I mean, hell, when I heard that coughing. Yes. Again, I was just getting pleasantly stoned on the couch and all of a sudden <laughs> it sounds like there's a dude in my house and that would throw you off. Absolutely. So thank you so much for sharing that with us, Megan. Our next story is from Kathleen. My first experience was when I moved into my current house. I was 25, and this was my first time living on my own, with my cats, of course. I've had night terrors mixed with sleep paralysis before. Usually I see small creatures with glowing eyes in whatever room I'm in, and I try to scream and crawl out of my bed to safety. Well, this night, I woke up to that feeling, unable to move, feeling their eyes. But I moved my eyes towards the door of my room, expecting to see them watching me. But standing next to it was a gray man wearing a fedora or some other brimmed hat. He was like a shadow, but I can't call him a shadow person. When I saw him, I just rolled over and fell asleep again. I got no feeling of ill will from him, and I haven't seen him since then. This house I'm in is a cottage my parents bought maybe 15 years ago, so I've stayed there numerous times before, usually in the second bedroom. When I updated my bed at our house in Cincinnati from a bunk bed to a real bed, my parents brought the bunk bed up to the cottage and put it in the second bedroom. This is the type of bunk bed with a full bed on the bottom with a twin on top. No one had stayed in that room or gone into that room for a few years. Well, I decided to stay in there because the sheets in my bed were dirty and I was too lazy to change them. I had vivid nightmares every night I was in there and eventually went back to my room. My boyfriend was visiting a few months later and we stayed in there because we wanted to sleep in late and my room lets in too much light in the morning. I kept having the nightmares and one day I just couldn't get up. I've had depression for years, but this was beyond that. I was stuck in bed and my boyfriend had to force me up. We'd made plans to go into Grand Rapids for shopping and dinner. It was an hour drive there and three hours wait until breaking fast for Ramadan and then an hour ride home. I just couldn't talk. Five hours of complete silence. Even at a hibachi restaurant with three other happy couples that looked incredibly uncomfortable to be near us. My boyfriend is convinced I have a jinn, 
because he says that they are attracted to places that are unoccupied for long periods of time. That room is now used for storage and my cats. I only go in to feed them. When I don't want to wash my sheets, I sleep in the living room on a pull-out couch. Now for the pre-cog stuff. I think this started last August, September, although I was drunk constantly for about four years before that, so maybe I just wasn't aware before that. It seems to happen in bursts, and I'm in my second burst right now. One of my mom's cousins had just found out her ex-husband had cancer. She'd reached out to me about how to tell her kids. I'd lost my mom to cancer a few years earlier, and I hadn't thought of anything of the question. He had just been diagnosed. I had a really strong feeling to call her to ask her how he was doing about a week and a half later, even though the idea of talking on the phone and bringing up all the memories of my mom again terrified me. Before I could, she posted on Facebook that he'd passed earlier that day. I didn't really think anything of this at the time. The first time I really noticed it, I had a vivid dream about a shooting at my workplace. I wasn't there for it in my dream, but I was observing like I was watching TV. The next morning, I woke up late and got there a little later than normal, taking the side streets to avoid traffic on the highway, even though the highway has an exit right next to my workplace. I ran into a co-worker who mentioned a high-speed chase that had ended up in a shooting on that highway. I looked it up. It ended around the time I got to work. Had I been on the highway, I would have seen the police chase. Around this time, I missed my period. It was unusual enough that I took a pregnancy test, even though it had been a few months since I had been active. Negative, and I kind of shrugged it off. I'd missed a period before a few years earlier. But then my cousin called to let me know she just missed a period and took a test. She was the one who was pregnant. Thank goodness. As a preface for the story, I suck at looking at the weather. I just wing it, hoping the weather will be nice. But this morning, I knew a co-worker wanted to go for a walk, and it would rain. She hadn't told me about the walk yet, and the skies were clear, but I grabbed an umbrella. On my way in that day, I had a very strong feeling that I needed to look both ways before crossing the street to my job. The road between my parking spot and my workplace is one way, but I had to look both ways. Both were clear. My co-worker ended up asking if I wanted to walk to get lunch. It was raining out, so I grabbed my umbrella. On the way to pick up lunch, we saw a homeless guy crouched down on the sidewalk. As we approached, he jumped up and ran toward the road. He didn't look both ways, only one, and he got hit by a car. He was fine, and my co-worker prayed with him. I work at the YMCA, so that isn't incredibly unusual. I was terrified. This was the last of the coincidences that had happened in that burst, and I honestly thought they were a fun story to tell, until recently. I'd just started a new job in mid-May, still at the YMCA. The building I work at is four floors. First is check-in, the offices and the offices for that branch. Second is for fitness classes and the office I work in, which is tucked into a quiet little corner. Third is the track and workout equipment. And fourth is the association office for the people that work in all the branches. My new boss had been training me on a part of my job, and I'd been spending a lot of time in her office. One day while training me, she had to go to the fourth floor for some reason. I went back to my desk, and I decided to work on other things while I waited. While at my desk, I heard her talking to a member about something. I couldn't really hear the conversation, but I think he was asking about memberships for someone else. Anyway, a few minutes later, she came back and called me into her office. She then apologized for being so long because a member had stopped her. I told her, yeah, I know, I heard you. She looked at me and told me that she'd had that conversation 
on the third floor. I'm going to make it clear that hearing a conversation from our office area to the stairs up to the third floor is impossible, let alone being able to hear a conversation on the third floor. That same day, I was getting ready to work out in the locker rooms. As I walked past the sinks, one of the automatic sinks, you know, the kind that turn on when you put your hands in front of them, just turned on by itself. I was the closest person and I was six feet away. On the afternoon of May 23rd, I was thinking about texting my very crafty and not due for another three weeks cousin for a new decoration for my new desk. But I just kept thinking, no, she's too busy. Turns out her doctor sent her to the hospital that afternoon to have the baby early. The same one I missed my period for. Finally, this last week, I woke up early, Tuesday morning, with intense stomach pain, like I had food poisoning. I had cold sweats and felt like I was going to have to bolt for the bathroom at any moment. Somehow, I fell asleep again. Thursday night, my aunt and I went paddleboarding, and we were just talking about Fitbits, when she explained why she needed one with a heart rate monitor. Tuesday morning, she woke up with cold sweats and stomach pain and her heart rate was extremely low every time she had the cold sweats and that vomit diarrhea feeling. These are the ones I've recorded. I've been thinking about starting a journal about feelings I have. Each one, other than the dream, have just been random feelings or experiences that feel perfectly normal, until they weren't. So thank you for sharing that with us, Kathleen. There's a lot to break down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the shared pain thing it reminds me. I know a woman who is, uh, she's a twin. And she has never had kids, but when her sister was pregnant, she would sometimes get her sister's cramps. Oh, wow. And she, I remember her uh, hearing a story where she texted her sister to say, oh man, you know, I don't feel lousy and her sister, or pardon me, I, I feel lousy. And I, as I understand it, her sister said, well, you, you know, you think you're bad. She said, all this morning I've been cramping. Oh, wow. And it was just like the shared pain. And apparently they've had a number of things like this. Yeah. Where they, they have these weird shared experiences. Which is kind of crazy. And then the other thing that occurred to me too, I was making notes while uh, while you were telling that. And the hearing the other conversation that she couldn't possibly have heard reminded me of a friend of mine who told me a story that one time she was in a coffee shop and she was listening to a conversation, you know, as you do, you overhear it. And she was understanding everything. She was following it. And then she something twigged in her brain and she realized the conversation was in French. Oh, wow. And as soon as she had that realization, she couldn't follow it anymore. <gasps> Interesting. Yeah, she was the whole thing was just working. And then as soon as she clued in, well, wait, wait, hang on, I don't speak French, gone. Wow. Right? That's cool. This story comes from Vicky. I've just started listening to your podcast after a recommendation from a friend, and I'm hooked. In episode 59, someone mentioned about being from Manchester in the UK, and I too am from a town just outside of Manchester to the north, in a house similar to the one described, coincidentally backing onto an old disused colliery. I thought you might be interested in my experience in that house. It's long, covering two decades, and is, I think, all interconnected. The first encounter took place in my parents' house in the early 90s when I was a toddler. The house is an old terraced one, built for the workers of an old mine, which was the colliery which sits directly behind the house. When the colliery closed, the land was covered over as playing fields and a football pitch. The house is pre-1900, a small two-up, two-down property. My parents bought the house from my grandparents, and my dad spent part of his childhood there. One evening, when I was around two, my parents had an argument, and my mom decided to sleep in my bedroom with me. She woke in the middle of the night to find the bedroom door open, and a man in an old smoker's jacket and nightcap stood in the doorway. My parents leave their hallway light on at night for toilet trips so she could see him clearly. The man moved to the side of the bed before disappearing. 
When I found out about this a few years ago, I still lived in the house with my parents. I asked my mom again recently if she had any spooky little kid stories, and it turns out she had omitted one important detail from the original telling as she didn't want to scare me. Originally, she told me I'd slept through the entire apparition. Now that I don't live there, she told me when she woke up and saw the man in the doorway, I began to stir, sat up, looked at her and said, Don't worry, mommy, he never says anything. He'll go soon. When I was younger, I always felt like if I walked past the foot of the stairs and the upstairs landing light was off, that I could see a dark figure moving down the stairs towards me. It's so vivid I can picture it now. A few years later, one of the adults in the family let it slip in front of me that someone had once fallen down the stairs and died in the years before my grandparents had lived there. And to wrap up, when I was about 11, and my sister 7, my parents swapped rooms with us so we would have more space. One evening, my sister fell asleep on the sofa. My dad carried her to bed with me trailing behind. As we walked past the doorway of the old bedroom, my sister started to struggle against being carried. When my dad put her down, she bolts back down the hallway to the bedroom door, demanding to know where the man in the top hat had just gone. I think it takes a special kind of person to grow up in a haunted house and just kind of say, oh yeah, no, there was a man in a top hat and now he's not there. <laughs> I don't think you have a choice. Well, I would put on my hobo pack, the little, the bindle, you know, on a stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just, and just get the hell out and of there. And off you go. Off yeah. I go. No, I think you kind of grew up with it as normal. I mean, the houses I grew up in always had stuff in them and you just sort of think, okay, well, this is the way the world is. That would be horrible. The world would be a lousy place. Oh, no. It's just nice people and not so nice people. I guess. And, and I mean, the story that we're going to end with actually reminded me of several things from my own childhood mm. that indicated that maybe I did grow up in a place that had some mojo going on. Absolutely. But you were just sort of programmed to not see it. Not see it. And, and I think I will, I think I blocked a lot of it out. Yeah. Well, but I mean, isn't that the same thing about that girl hearing that conversation in French, but then realizing, oh, I don't speak French and then couldn't understand it. And in the same way, people experience things. Oh, but I don't believe in ghosts. That's true. Yeah, right? absolutely. And you just sort of fluff it off. And yeah, a lot of times people don't have these amazing ghost stories unfolding in front of them. They see them in retrospect. Right. Right. I mean, that was certainly true in mine as it sort of built and built and built. And then it finally came to a conclusion. But yeah, I don't know. There was a story uh, in the book. Uh, my book, A Strange Little Place, available everywhere fine books are sold <laughs> for a little while yet, at least. Um, <laughs> Mostly from Brennan. That's right. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I have the, a nice big box of them now. I know. You, the trunk of your car. Yes. Go, big, ghoststoryguys.bigcartel.com. You can buy signed copies of both my book and uh, whatever the hell it is he wrote. Oh, my God. <laughs> whatever. Ghoststoryguys.bigcartel.com. Anyways, not the point. Um, I, there was a story in the book about a family who had this really strange experience. They were driving south of town and they had this collective feeling of doom. Right. And they, they'd all kind of came to it on their own, but they didn't realize the others had come to it. And finally, you know, they were going down this one road they, the father just pulled a U-turn and went back and everyone at once went, oh good. You, what you felt it too. Oh wow. Um, and, but what's interesting is the woman in the follow-up says that, her family used to talk about everything. They would talk things to death. Whatever happened, they would always go over it. Right. This story always got forgotten. Oh, interesting. No matter, they would, it, she'd think, oh, I should bring that up. And then she'd forget. And she'd find out later, other people had said, yeah, I should bring this up. And then they'd forget. Huh. And what's really interesting, these people don't know this, and it was never mentioned in the book, but, and I can't pin down exactly when they were there, what year they were south of Revelstoke. Right. But there was a fatal car crash on that stretch of road. 
uh, at almost exactly the spot where they started to feel the dread. Oh, interesting. So I don't know if it happened soon before yeah. or soon after, huh. but there was a, yeah, there was a fatal car accident, uh, where a young lady was killed. And again, it, it was almost, uh, bang on to where, no pun intended, to where they started to feeling, pardon me, where they started feeling dread. Well, I'm glad they listened to it. Yeah, no kidding. Many people don't. Our next story is from Kim. I'm reading Killers of the Flower Moon, a book about murders in Osage County, Oklahoma, and the birth of the FBI. I hear they're currently scouting for the movie in Pahuska, the county seat. This triggered a memory that I thought I would share with you. My parents bought some land on the Osage Reservation. When they retired in the 80s, they built a nice ranch-style house in a clearing next to a creek. Most of the land remained wooded and full of critters. My brother and his family already lived out there on adjoining land, so there was a lot of walking back and forth between the two houses, or running if it was getting dark. We excelled at scaring the poop out of each other. Did you hear that? Usually being followed by a sprint for the house. I was a college kid, over in Stillwater, but was often home for the weekend or holidays. The neighbors to the south were Native American and would often have drum circles late at night in the summer. Some other neighbors on the other side of my brother's place had a pack of wolves in a large enclosure. I enjoyed leaving the window open and listening to the drums, howling wolves, and cicadas. I'm from L.A., so this all seemed pretty wild and extraordinary. One morning, I was up early to drive back to school. I'd said my goodbyes and was walking to my car, when out of the corner of my eye I saw a Native American woman with long black hair walking towards me, with one hand outstretched as if to say hello. I thought perhaps it was a neighbor, and I turned to greet her, and there was no one there. In retrospect, I realized she was wearing what may have been a deerskin dress. It definitely wasn't the style of the 80s. The experience didn't frighten me, but I have this feeling she was trying to tell me something, and I really wish I knew what it was. The Haunted Duplex Weird stuff was always happening in the duplex where I lived my last year of undergraduate studies. Heavy, double-hung windows opening themselves, the lid of a wooden box lifting by itself, the telephone moving across the room while my roommate and I watched, that sort of thing. The strangest thing by far was the fact that it didn't freak me out. I remember saying, thank you, once when the window opened of its own accord on a particularly stuffy day, just as matter-of-fact as if there was someone there. One night I had a dream that there were spirits, much like those that came out of the Ark of the Covenant in Raiders of the Lost Ark, coming out of the stove. I got up and inspected the stove, only to find that my roommate had left it on just enough the gas was escaping. Subconscious? Or someone sending me a warning in my dream? This was a shotgun shack, so the rooms were all aligned from front of the house to the back. My roommate's bedroom was at the back, and then you had to walk through either my room or the bathroom to get to the kitchen. One night, there was a crash in her bedroom. Then the doors to my room flew open, one after the other, and I heard the tinkling of glass in the kitchen. This woke me out of a sound sleep, and I had the definite impression that a woman had run through my room. I went to check on my roommate, and the first thing she said was, Did you see her? She then said she had no idea why she said that. She hadn't seen anything and had woken because the lamp on the side table crashed into the ground. It was indeed lying there on the floor, and it would account for the crash I heard. Shortly after this, my roommate was diagnosed with schizophrenia and decided I was one of the voices in her head that needed to die. 
Fortunately, her parents took her out of state before she could act on this, and I didn't find out firsthand. I've often wondered if her growing mental distress gave power to the resident ghost, or if it was all just a coincidence. So thank you for sharing that with us, Kim. And, and that's a really interesting question. Does mental illness feed this kind of stuff? Is it just happen to be in the same place? You know, what, what is the connective tissue there? A skeptic would say, well, no, they just the mental illness is what they're experiencing rather than a haunting. But right. clearly this is a person outside that who yeah. is still having experience. Because I know there's that house in James Bay, um, not far from where we had those photos done, that, you know, the, the guy who lived there had schizophrenia and it really right. seemed to make it worse. Oh, I have heard of that before. In fact, I've heard of that almost 30 years ago now. I've heard about it. Really? Yeah, yeah. Being in a really haunted place can really aggravate people who already have some uh, mental illness. And it makes sense if you think about it. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you're, you know, your your sort of sense of self is is vulnerable, anyways. Well, and if you're struggling with what's real, of course, yeah. Um, this is not going to help you. Well, I know during Kathleen's story, she mentioned about you know suffering with depression and and difficulty getting out of bed. And I right. remember, you know, the my sort of my first real shadow person experience, uh, you know, when there was actual contact, that started a period of really brutal depression that lasted yeah. probably two or three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, uh, definitely as my mental state has improved, I've had less to worry about and that kind of thing. But yeah. I know that I've been told when I'm feeling vulnerable is a bad time for Absolutely. me to be exploring these things. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that. Like wearing your really nice earbuds in a really bad neighborhood. <laughs> Just a big old sign on your back that says, rob me, I have money. I'm going on the subway. I should put on all my jewelry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. And my coat of many colors. <laughs> All right, so this is going to be our last story, and this is quite a lengthy one, so we're going to take turns reading it. Tag team it. That's right. Well, I don't know if I should call it that. <laughs> Not everything's sexual. Well, dirty, it is when you say tag team. Dirty right? pig. No, I'm, it isn't. I'm just, I'm just saying. Oh, I'm, my God. I'm just saying. After that hard edit, uh, this is a story from Anne, and it's not her real name. She asked us to use a pseudonym for her. And we're always happy to do that. You know, if you want to send us a story, but you're not comfortable with us using even your first name, please feel free to, uh, yeah, to ask us to use a pseudonym. We're fine with doing that because yeah, I mean, some people are in positions where they can't be open about this stuff. I know, I believe in Anne's case, she's an educator. And so she had to be very, very cautious about this. And again, we're, we're fine with that. Anne says, I'm a mom of three, an educator, and really tied to the community I live in. I've told other moms this story, but only a few of my work colleagues. After you hear it, it won't be too much of a stretch to see why I wouldn't want my students' families to know this. Ever since my second, a boy, was born, he took more work than his sister. A smiling, blonde-haired, blue-eyed boy born the last day of the Year of the Dragon right at 3.33 a.m., which the nurses were too spooked to write, so they marked it 3.35. His extra care started when he was just three months old and caught norovirus. It took a year of healing for those fragile intestines to recover. And then there were the tantrums starting at about 18 months. Epic, epic tantrums. I had actually sought out his pediatrician's help, and by the time his baby sister was born when he was two, I'd mentioned it enough that his doctor suggested we may need a psych eval. You see, when he threw a tantrum, he always cried that Bumblebuzz was pinching him. I was a teacher, special ed actually, so I knew a thing or two and had already enrolled him in preschool for a mild speech issue. So I told his teacher, per the doctor's request, to see if she thought he needed a psyche eval. I laughed when I told her this, saying I replied to the doctor that maybe he was psychotic or maybe he was seeing ghosts, and she went serious fast. She looked straight into my eyes and said, 
He's not psychotic. He won't stop telling us there's an old witch in the corner of the playground and an owl on the fence that none of us see. Now stop for a moment. He's two, with a speech impediment. And yet they, a team of three women, had heard and understood this from him, because it happened every day. I'd been a kid, and I hated the shadows a lace curtain made or that creepy black of a closet door left ajar at night, so I know how your eyes can play tricks on you to feel deep terror. And I'm a teacher, so I know how kids can misinterpret all the time. But that playground was only twenty by twenty feet, with one tree. I couldn't see how he could have made a woman and an owl out of what was there. This teacher's statement stopped my breath. She said, I have a friend who is a shaman. We should have him come. So I told her what I had told the doctor, that he cries and screams and writhes on the ground about a thing pinching him. But that wasn't everything. One time I was cooking in the kitchen, and he toddles in to say, Mummy, there's a boy and a girl in my room, and they want to play. Thank God my husband had just come home and heard him say that, too. We both gave each other that look, and I said, Tell them they can't play with you and to go back home. Another time he ran into the house with his older sister, and I closed the back porch door fast after them. A mommy message, you're done being outside. But I screamed so loud my husband reacted. In the glass of the door, I saw the bottom half of a little boy in shorts coming in after them. To me, it felt like i just slammed glass into a child, and it startled me, scared me. My son just said, oh, he didn't come in. The worst, though, was the skeleton man. My son told me there was a tall, skinny old man with a skull face who would come to his bed and try to take him. He said that he came from down the hall and left with all the other ghosts through his window, like a stream. I swear to you, my kids have never seen poltergeist, but that's exactly what it sounded like. With that, I finally agreed to allow the teacher to call her shaman friend. My husband, who'd never had paranormal interests, is actually one of the only persons I know to have seen a full-body apparition, with another witness, so I shouldn't have been surprised that he agreed to the plan. My only condition was that the teacher had to come too. If shit happened to my son, that was going to be on her, like she'd have to witness what she'd invited. That day I cleaned and cleaned. I remember so consciously being like, how do you welcome a shaman? I literally sent my husband out for cookies since I'd spent so much time cleaning and had nothing else prepared. And I had to keep my son in a good space, so that means for a just now three-year-old painting and doing Play-Doh all morning. So there he was, happy at the kitchen table painting, when all of a sudden he did that screaming thing and curled up on the ground, seeing Bumble was pinching him. In that moment, the doorbell rang. It was the shaman. I remember even now, do I leave my son alone, defenseless, to get the door even though it's to get help? I had to open the door. The most elegant, self-assured Native American man saluted me, introduced himself, and asked to be invited in, and then with that, walked straight past me to my son. He held him at arm's length back to standing, told him his name, and said, I am here to help you get rid of the monsters. Is there a monster here now? My son nodded, held up his arm, and pointed to just left of him. Then the shaman said, Can you show me where else they are? My son nodded. They left our kitchen hand in hand, and like that, my son took the shaman to each spot of every tantrum my son had ever had. At the end, the shaman turned to me and asked if we had seen all the rooms. I was showing him the garage when my husband and oldest daughter returned, and we did the greeting thing. The preschool teacher had been holding our infant daughter while I had been watching, and again I was asked had I shown the shaman every room. There was still the basement, and so we went down the porch stairs, a happy little group of kids following this heroic figure. 
but a bad feeling came over me. The kind of feeling you get when you're about to walk down a street you shouldn't. The shaman told me he was going to take my son all around the house, and we were going to offer corn and tobacco, and then do a ritual on him. So I watched from about 15 feet away as he smudged my son, handed him a crystal, and again smudged him. He then said to my son, Little man, what did you do with the crystal? I hadn't seen my son move at all during that quick turn, but the shaman just gave him another crystal and proceeded. At last that part was over, and then the shaman said, I must go to your basement. He was in there about five minutes, and then called out to the preschool teacher to bring him more sage. When he emerged, he said, I think it is gone, but you must keep all your doors and windows open for many hours, and then close it before bed. We did as we were told, and went out for the evening. Came home and closed everything up. Well, you can probably guess about what time at night noises started coming out of the basement. The basement was a full-on woodworker's paradise, with cabinets and devices and shelves. I tell you, it sounded like every door and shelf was being slammed open and closed. It was terrifying to lie in bed in the middle of the night to hear just anger being exuded. I texted the shaman first thing in the morning, and he told me just to hold tight another night and to make sure I hadn't locked a raccoon or a cat in who might have wandered in when we were told to leave the doors open. And above all else, I was not to go into that basement without a man who loved me. Again, the next night it happened. This time, my husband and I were in different rooms sleeping. I remember being too scared to see if he was awake, but finally he said, Hey, I hear it again. Then it stopped the next night. And in that evening, we heard a cat cry from down there. My husband can't walk well, so I went and got some neighbors, big burly men, to come into the basement with me, under the pretense that I thought we had a raccoon stuck in there. They loved the idea, and emerged at my front door with bats, flashlights, and I think a crowbar. The three of us entered, and we heard some rustling in the far back area, where it's only about three feet high. I stayed right next to the door, to the outside, because we're neighbors, but love each other neighbors as the shaman ordered? Mm, not so much. I kept asking them what they were seeing as they got down and were trying to see it with their flashlights. The younger one said, I shit you not. What the hell is that thing? It's too big to be a raccoon, and it's walking on just its hind legs. I was so utterly terrified. I remember just being so grateful it was still slightly evening light out, and all of a sudden a cat comes running at me from the back area and leaps into my arms. The poor thing was terrified and emaciated. I walked straight outside and just let it go. The men were baffled because they hadn't seen a cat, but they just coolly said their work was done and left. Then other weird things started happening that week. My son kept saying that the cat raccoon was following us around the neighborhood and all the trees, and one day I couldn't find a binky to save my life. And when I returned later that day, there was a binky on top of the remote control next to the phone and one on my bed pillow. I was more than freaked out at that point and called the shaman. He told me the following, that the day he was leaving for our house, his brother had showed up as his house and told him whatever he was going to face was bad and to bring Abuela and Tia, their grandma and aunt who'd passed for protection. He also told him for weeks he'd been having dreams about a being attacking his own children, but then one day had a vision that it was actually the shaman, his brother, fighting a being that was tormenting a little blonde boy and wished his brother luck. He also said that cleansing our house that first night 
His house was visited by a violent wind that knocked just his hat off the hook and sent it flying around his room. The worst part for me to hear was that when he walked up to our house it looked so warm, but when he rang our doorbell, he saw something not of this world run past me and into the kitchen. He told me the Binkies were probably his aunt and grandma still hanging around to look out for me, and of course they loved babies and moms, so it sounded just like them. And then there was that crystal. Remember how I told you that I'd spent the whole morning cleaning? Well, I forgot to clean the backyard, and to my horror, when we went out there to do the ceremony, I saw a dirty, soaked diaper sitting in the middle of the yard that I'm sure my son had probably discarded doing some type of water play, and I just missed it. Well, I remember about three days after the cat, I just wanted to sit outside in our yard, and that diaper was still there. I picked it up, and underneath was a beautiful, clear, and purple quartz crystal. I didn't need to call the shaman. I knew who had put it there. Again, about half a year later, I was down in the basement alone getting a box of old clothes for my now much bigger baby to wear. On top of the plastic bins was a small leather satchel with a turtle on it that I didn't recognize but figured maybe it was a shaman's and he had left it battling that thing so I called him and asked. Turned out it was his so we had another excuse for him to make the trip to come visit. My son still talks about him almost four years later now so imagine seeing his hero again and how he ran to him. He said the satchel was extra protection and a gift from his mentor shaman. And I said, I don't think it was an accident, I found it right where I was headed. Then he told me the story of the battle in our basement, which he'd held back telling me in those first few weeks because, he said, it was just too scary. He said when he challenged the thing to leave, his sage burst into a spike of flames and was incinerated. That ain't how sage burns, people. <laughs> he said he took it as just an intimidation tactic and felt he had given it the message to get out and that probably those first nights of banging was its angry protest. He also mentioned that when he had given my son the first crystal, he had felt something jump onto his back and was sure it had knocked a crystal out of my son's hand. We still live here, and I still sage. You better believe I sage when things feel funny. But my son has never seen anything since. Well, nothing he's scared of. And man, that's just a whole thing. Yeah. Holy smokes. Honestly, it could be a movie. It sure could, yeah, with with only a little bit of expansion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like I said earlier, this story kind of touched a nerve with me. And it's because it reminded me of things from when I was a kid. And, and like the, 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 all the other ghosts through his window like a stream, like a, like a line of them. Yeah. I remember seeing that when I was a kid. I thought it was a dream. Yeah. I remember seeing this line of people going down the hallway. Because for a long time, I didn't like sleeping in my own bed. Right. And there was crashing in my parents' room. They were still awake. But I was laying in bed. And again, I thought I was dreaming. But I still see this the door open and this lineup of people going down the hallway. Right. And they would have been going down towards where my room was. Right. So no friggin' wonder <laughs> I didn't like sleeping on my own. No kidding. Christ on a bike. I um, sent this to a friend of mine who is a shaman. Oh, yeah. And I said, what do you think? You know, kind of give it the spit test. Right. And she absolutely said this is, yeah, this sounds very much like things she's dealt with. Really? Yeah. So it wasn't a surprise to her at all. Wow. I mean, the only thing that struck me as unusual was the, the whole sage flaring thing, because I've right. never heard of that. Well, I mean, if you light the sage and it's smoking, and then all of a sudden it flares up, I agree. I think that would be an intimidation tactic. Oh, absolutely. And it would be very unusual. I mean, if it just burst into flame, like, on its own, eh, that's kind of weird. But if you <laughs> lit it to, to smudge, and it suddenly goes, poof. And there's no smoke. Right. That would be a very good sign. That would be my cue to leave. <laughs> yeah, no, that's... I'm, Although I've never been a spooky-ass basement on my own anyway, so... <laughs> We're not going to send you up against the evil basement monster. Nope. I, I think the the thing that really scared me about this was the idea of hearing all that banging in the basement. Yes. You know, like all that fury. 
would yeah. be really frightening to be around. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I, I told you about this recently. I had this horrible dream where this, this thing came out of a room, this massive fuzzy black thing and it was just screaming and full of rage. Right. Yes. And, uh, when I woke up, I was, if, you know, if it had come around the corner, I would have been 0% surprised. Right. It was, right. It was that real. Yeah. And it's, it's hung on with it. I sometimes in my quiet moments and when I'm back in the apartment, I feel like this thing is like right, right there. Wow. And I kind of imagine it, it's the same fear here. Right. Something about the fury. Right. The fury and noise of this thing. Yeah. And, and, and it's sort of the power you associate with that. Well, thank you so much, Anne, uh, for sharing this with us. Again, we are so grateful. Absolutely. We're grateful to everyone who sends their stories in, uh, but this story really, again, touched a nerve with us. It just jumped out. It really did, like <laughs> literally and uh, on the page. So thank you. And what was interesting too is, um, you know, she said that the phone that had the shaman's number was destroyed by yeah. accident. So she can't reach him again. Right. And, you know, I think to some people they might say, oh, that's convenient, but my own shaman experience I have never seen that man again. And you know what my shaman friend said? You don't need a phone to call a shaman. Oh, they, there, there you go. They will be there when you need them. Right. So they, they know when to come. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's funny you you brought that up because, yeah, that was something she mentioned too. Yeah. And, and well, it's interesting too that, you know, this happened like she found her way to him. Yeah. In just, yeah. just the right time. Just yeah. when it was most necessary. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, no, thanks again, Anne. That was fantastic. And again, thanks to everyone who sent their stories in. If we haven't gotten your story, we're, we will try. We can't get to everyone's. It's just we've reached that place. But please send them in. We, we read everything. We do. It's just a matter of what ends up on the show. But yeah. again, thank you so much to everyone who's helped us with our Halloween listener stories series. It's been a real pleasure and a real, uh, real privilege to read your encounters. And I know we've talked about this before. You know, this is one of the great things that we, we've done with this show, I think, is we've had people write to us and say, you know, I listen to your show and I don't feel alone anymore. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I, yeah. I see there are other people having yeah. the same experiences. And I want to share my story in the hopes that someone else will be able to connect with it. Yeah. That's and, amazing. You know, it's, you know man, it, that's, the, I think, the greatest thing we've done as part of this. Yeah. I mean, being wacky jackasses is awesome. <laughs> but knowing that there are people who can get some kind of... Uh, connection from this well not only that but what's been really cool for me too is to see the people who have sent us art yes and pictures that have been inspired by things we've said or things we've talked about and i mean just recently uh we got an email um from bill who self-published his own ghost book yes. um from listening to our show because he thought well yeah i can do this like i've always meant to do it i'm gonna do it and so he did so good job bill yeah it's it's just the coolest thing, man. Congratulations. A lot of people say, I'm going to write a book and they just don't. Yeah. 99% of them don't. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Which I understand. I do a, too. Writing a book's a pain in the ass. <laughs> a lot of work. Oh God. But uh, no. So congratulations, Bill, on that. And and yeah, hopefully uh, we inspire a few other folks to uh, maybe take the project they've been sitting on for a while and, and pursue it a little bit further. Because if two fat bastards can do it... <laughs> You can do it. I was just about to say that. <laughs> but I was going to say two hopeless jackasses. Oh, well, either way. It's almost like we have self-image problems. So weird. No, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break and then come back with uh, patron shoutouts, listener mail, and the winners of our Halloween draw. Woohoo!
Welcome back. Thanks to the rest of the team, Luke Greensmith, Anthony Germain, and Sarah Kent for their help on this and every episode. And Luke is back at full strength finally, or, or getting there at least. Good. He was pretty sick for a while. Holy shit, was he ever. That poor bastard. Mm-hmm. And he may even be moving to Victoria. I know. That's How crazy w- is that? I can't believe it. It'll probably happen just as one of us is moving. <laughs> of course, Anthony's moving. I know. The bastard. I know. You hear that, Anthony? I'm happy for you, Anthony, but mm, not yeah. cool, buddy. Yep. Yep. Dis approve yeah you're dead to us that's right <laughs> now it's time for our patron shoutouts. of course we'd like to thank all our patrons but we'd especially like to thank our new patrons and this, it's going to be lengthy like the email because we've been gone for a while yeah so we'd like to thank bronwyn wilson anti-genius aka geriatrics monica garcia nikki mustafa elizabeth deborah smetana Blue Pint Society. ER. Sam G. Sierra Keeler. Angela Mitchell. Corvus Chow. Melina Winkler. Stacy <laughs> Stacy Beatty. Jen K. Jamie Goodry. Aaron Hamilton. Sandra Torres. Bill Campbell. Bill Campbell. Bill Campbell. Bill Campbell. Bill Campbell. Bill Campbell. Bill, Bill, Bill. Oh, Jesus. I'm tired. We're in a loop. (laughs) I'll slap you. Yeah. I think you just want to do that. You keep suggesting that, whatever I bring up. (laughs) Man, I'm hungry. I can slap you. I'll slap you. Yep. No, thank you. That's okay. It's weird. You're noticing. Yeah. It's a pattern. I'm not interested in your weird sex things. (laughs) (laughs) I think you'd ever get that lucky. Lucky is not the word I use. <laughs> Anyways, we're thanking our patrons who help us keep the show going. You help us. I don't know, man. It, you do everything. Honestly, I don't even. You are the fuel in the tank here. Yep, absolutely. And at this point with the show the way it is, we literally could not do it without you. Yeah, this shit's expensive. Now. It is expensive. And it's grown <laughs> from our little single shared microphone in that creepy haunted office yeah. building. So we have, we have financing now. <laughs> I tell you, patrons, when I found out that you could finance equipment through Long and McQuaid, oh, God. it was a dark day. But it a good was day. a dark day. We sound so much better. And it cost money, but it, it worked. It's like anything. It costs money to look this good. That's right. And in our case, it costs money to sound this good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyways, thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate it. And if you want to join the team, head on over to patreon.com slash ghost story guys. And we have tiers at the one, five, 10, 20, and $50 levels. And the rewards range from exclusive stickers, which are only for patrons, to bonus episodes, YouTube live streams, where you just get to hang out with us. You get access to Ian's smash hit Kristen Country album, Aware of Wonder. <laughs> you get three art cards signed by me, which are my night photography, which are actually selling on their own now. Yes, they are. Which is pretty awesome. It is. It's great. So all that and more is at patreon.com slash guys. And if you can help out, even a dollar makes a difference. But if you can't, we understand too. These are lean times for a lot of people, including us. So just listening is support in and of itself. And no matter what you do, you're here. We appreciate the hell out of that. Next up, it's time for listener mail. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. We'd like to thank everyone who writes into us. We appreciate the hell out of it, as we do with the patronage. We do. Just hearing from you guys, having the back and forth when possible is uh, fantastic. Because it lets us know that you're out there, you're listening, and it just means the world to us. 
So in that spirit, we'd like to thank everyone who wrote in since the last episode. And this is a long one, so deep breath. They are... (laughs) Brace yourself. John. Emmett. Katie. Chris. Randy. Ashley. Rin. Caleb. Rachel. Michael. Barb. Nick. Lee. Julial. Bob. Deborah. Brian. I don't know where we are. Oh, Mark. Brandon. Nicole. Nicole. (laughs) Nicole. Nicole? I don't know. It's Nicole. (laughs) Nicole. Armando. Aaron. Sierra. Alex. Ed. Arwen. Selena. Caleb. Harry. Tara. George. Olivia. Paul. Neil. Savannah. Andrew. Another Andrew. Maria. Kathy. Leah. Tina Joe. Khadija. Caitlin. Justin. Madeline. Nicole. Another Nicole. <laughs> Anathas. Oh, she told me how to pronounce this. Athanasia. I think it's Athanasia. I think. I, if I got that wrong, pardon me. Cynthia. Kane. Louisa. Matthew. Samuel. Amy. Jenny. Ruth. Aaron. Taya, Tracy, Ari, Catherine, Alyssa, June, Mark, Adrian, Kathy, Amanda, Bill, and Laura. <sighs> Thank you, everyone. Woo! My you, tongue hurts. Yeah, no kid. Well, I don't want to hear about that. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you so gross? <laughs> it's, it's in the blood. I can't Everything. You, you wouldn't let me have fun in episode 69. No, and I won't. So episode 70 is we're gonna we're gonna have a dance off right now oh throw down the cardboard no i'm too tired just go fair okay fair (laughs) (laughs) but yes thank you so much for writing in guys again we appreciate your stories we really do your comments your gentle criticisms we appreciate it all so if you want to reach us we're at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com you can also find us at facebook.com slash ghoststoryguys and instagram as the ghoststoryguys but again if you are sending stories Gmail's the place to go. Please, yes. Please send a Gmail. Uh, if it's via Instagram, I will lose it because I am I run the Instagram. And, and if it's on Facebook, I will lose it. There we so, go. Yeah, no, that's fair. The messaging system for pages on Facebook is terrible. It really, it's yeah. getting worse. Dude. It is getting worse. God, I, I hate it. I want off Facebook so bad. I know, but we can't. Yeah, I know. People live there. That's true. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. All right, so that's listener mail out of the way. Now we get to the, uh, the part of the show where we have our... Halloween slash 500,000 download giveaway, which we've been talking up for a month now. I'm excited. Finally doing. So I'm going to play some grand music, which I'll find Triumphant. Yep, exactly. And then we will announce the winners of our Halloween slash 500,000 download giveaway. And what they're winning. Yes, that would help too, I guess. All right, so first up, the first five prizes are digital downloads of the new Vampire Stepdad album, The Sun Also Sets. I really love this record. I bought a physical copy and a digital copy, and I think you guys are going to love it. So, the winners of the digital downloads for the new Vampire Stepdad album are... Lizette Ceriseris. Eliza Merlino. J. Rowe. Katarina Zarczewski. And David Peck. So congratulations, guys. We'll be e- You'll probably be emailed before the show even airs yeah. to let you know that you won, but you have won a digital download of Vampire Stepdad's The Sun Also Sets Out. Lucky. Graciously provided by Vampire Stepdad himself. Thanks, man. Yes, thank you very much. All right, next up, we are drawing for two Vampire Stepdad enamel pins. So, drum roll. <laughs> the winners are Lori F. Angela Bodine. 
Congratulations. Again, we'll contact you. We'll say that across the board. We'll send emails yeah, to everyone who yeah. wins. You have won a Vampire Stepdad enamel pin. Next up are the Quasars pins. These are from Quasars Arcade, my home away from home. <laughs> Where you spend quality time with Nathaniel and Kiki. Yes, my unchildren. <laughs> and the winners of those are Phyllis Ekoff and Kim Jones. Congratulations. Congratulations. All right. So next up, we're going to be giving away three shirts. Three beautiful Ghost Story Guys shirts. And these will be uh, of the logo design of your choice. Yes. So we'll contact you and you can tell us which one you want, what size you are, and yeah. uh, we have your address, so we'll send it. But they are Stephanie J. Kim Moser. From Booze and Bourbon. Booze and Bourbon. Fantastic. Hannah Brown. Is that, that's Luke's Hannah, isn't it? I think so. Oh, Jesus. I, th- I think she's won before, too. I think she may have. Well, congratulations to all three of you. We'll be in touch, and you can let us know your shirt of choice, and uh, you wear it proudly. Just send us a picture. Absolutely. Send us a picture of you in the shirt, because then we can put it on social media, and plus, we know you actually got it. Yes. Our final prize for our great giveaway is probably one of the most talked about prizes. Yes, it is the Ghost Story Guys clock. It is. I have never seen one in, or pardon me, I have yet to see one in person. I've, I've seen, seen one in person. Thank yeah, you, course. Evan. Evan yes. and Carlene own a Ghost Story Guys clock, and it is pretty cool looking. I will have to take your word for it. <laughs> All right, so the winner of the Ghost Story Guys clock is... Arwen Simons. Sweet. Yes. Arwen. We have, we've actually met Arwen in Arwen person. came and visited us from Florida. And this was randomly generated. We swear this is not favoritism. We used, uh, what was it called? Random.org, which is a, a generating. Uh, yeah, you throw a list in and it yeah. randomly. Yeah, randomly. So all we did was throw in our list of patrons and boop, it popped out these names. That is too cool. Well, congratulations to everyone who won. Absolutely. Again, we'll be in touch. We'll get all your prizes to you. And thank you for sticking with us. You know, we... We we had the five hundred thousand sort of hit the five hundred thousand mark a couple months ago. We're already past six fifty now. Wow! I know <laughs> we've we've really been picking up. Holy cow! I know, yeah. So it's uh, it's pretty cool. But thank you again, everyone, for sticking with us through this crazy ass journey of ours. Uh, we don't know where it's going, but we're having a lot of fun mm-hmm. along the way. I'd like to thank October's musical guest of the month. That was Vampire Stepdad, of course. This episode, we played selections from his song. Behind Your Furnace, and that's from 2018's Songs to Haunt a House To. You can find more from him at VampireStepdad.com, and of course, wherever you stream your music. But check out VampireStepdad.com. He's got some sweet shirts, some sweet enamel pins, as we've said. And you can buy physical copies of his albums, which I, I love physical copies of stuff. And we'll be going out at the end of the show on the theme to his Night Shift album. And that was from 2017. It was funny because when I originally decided to... Uh, to make Vampire Stepdad the guest for October, and I, had, I contacted him to make sure that was okay. Yeah. I was actually nervous about it, <laughs> you know, because I, obviously we had done that little bit of voice work for him, but I still, you know, even he's just a, he's a dude, you know, he's just a guy probably about our age, maybe a little bit younger. And, uh, but still, you know, it was kind of weird reaching out to an artist whose work I was so invested yeah. in. Yeah, 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 you yeah. You know, because you never know, right? You, what if he's a jerk? You just, well, I'll, you I'll, talk I'll, to me normally, and I have had an album out for like 20 years. I keep trying to forget I talk to you, though. I just, <laughs> oh, I keep drinking, hitting my head with rocks. <laughs> still. Here I, just, I am still. Here it is. We're still here. <laughs> I hurt myself today. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I know what you mean. But that's so cool. He was so cool about it and so supportive. So uh, a big thank you to him for being our 
artist of the month. Yeah, I, I we've never done that before, no. and uh, I'm glad we did. So thanks again to Vampire Stepdad. Our story's theme is The Future Belongs to Them Now by Hexagram. You can find more from them at hexagram.bandcamp.com or wherever you get your streaming music. That track is exclusive to the show, but if you want to get it, patrons at the $10 level and up do get that as one of their ringtones. Our main theme, Radio, Into the Darkness We Go, was composed and performed by Pizzanta Music. You can find more from him at soundcloud.com slash Music or on all the major streaming platforms. And finally, all other music was licensed through Epidemic Sound. If you're looking for pod-safe music and sound effects for your next audio project, head on over to epidemicsound.com to check them out. As for things coming up, uh, you have some interviews coming up next week. I do. On Thursday. Yes. Uh, actually, on Halloween. Yes. You, you have the details? Um, yeah, I'm going to be on from, there's a, a show that plays on the radio here, CBC, which is Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. It's kind of a big deal. Um, and uh, it's going to be played all over the province. Um, I'm going to be sitting in Victoria. The interviewer is going to be in Vancouver. And I'm going to be talking about some of the haunted spots around the province. And that will be on from 12.30 to 1 p.m. Pacific time. It'll be on from 12 to 1, but I will be on from 12 to The important part will be 12.30 to 1. Exactly. So I'm looking forward to that. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Absolutely. And you're also doing some spots on CFAX, aren't you? I believe so. I don't have details on those yet, but yeah, when when we know, we can post them. Because they always put them up as recorded afterwards, so. Right, right, right. Well, so I'll make sure to link to that on the Facebook page and everywhere else. Uh, We'll actually, by the time this airs, this will be over, but you and I are going to be speaking uh, live We'll be at the Royal BC Museum's Halloween Celebration Night Shift on Saturday, October 26th. Again, it's uh, over by the time you hear this, but it will be the first time that we have spoken in public together as the Ghost Story Guys. Yes. Which is really exciting because we have talked about trying to put together a, a small live event in Victoria for next year. Yeah. And so this will be a good kind of dry run to see how our chemistry works outside the studio. Right. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to, I'm nervous. I haven't actually been on stage really aside from a, a disastrous speech I gave during the social media awards a couple years ago. Oh no. Um, yeah. Oh man. I walked up on stage and said, I, I'll be fast. I got to get the suit back to the funeral home by 10. Oh, oh no. <laughs> then my bow tie twirled. It was all bad. Oh no. <laughs> you you had a gig later on in the, uh, in the Catskills. That's right. <laughs> I was not invited back. <laughs> I think I recycled the award. <laughs> After a while, you realize you have a glass trophy in your living room that says funniest tweet on it. And it, uh, I don't know. It says more, a lot more about you than you wanted to. Unfortunately. Well, yeah. only if you put it in a special case with lighting and humidity control. Uh, then it would say more about you than you wanted to. No, I didn't. Only because I couldn't afford to. <laughs> I was I was looking at it and I just thought, why do I have this fucking thing here? Who cares? The funniest tweet. Hooray. <laughs> Garbage. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But, uh, yeah, so that's exciting. And again, keep out, uh, you know, sort of keep an eye out for news about the upcoming live event in Victoria, probably in the fall, uh, you know, as, as we're sort of planning it. Fall of 2020. Uh, yeah. We should clarify. Yeah, fall of 2020. Yeah. 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 And I know we've had some people ask us when we're going to do live shows elsewhere and probably 2021 at the earliest. I, I just, you know, the show again, we're, we're growing really nicely. But we're, we're not that kind of show yet. We're not there. We're really not. No. I mean, maybe in Pennsylvania, we somewhere in Pennsylvania, we could get away with it. But, Where we uh, have a hardcore group of fans. Yeah, exactly. Or Texas. We have a lot of people in Texas. That's true, yeah. Or yeah. L- LA and New York. But I don't true. think we could sell tickets. Uh, no. So, yeah, paying to go there ain't happening. But anyway, <laughs> 2021, we're thinking, you know, unless uh, something happens and, you know, things blow up and then we'll talk about it. But Wow, uh, what do you mean? Like, you're going to kill me? 
I mean, I didn't say it out loud. <laughs> you could, said it. Your that words. Would be, yeah, that would be that would be submissible. Oh, the farewell Ian tour. <laughs> Without Ian knowing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, you'd be gone, and then I would just travel and oh, weep for your memory. Right. And, and have a moment where you light a candle. Yeah. Before you pass around the baskets for the money. Oh, man. When I was a little kid, I wanted to be a priest, and I finally got there. <laughs> I did, too. I want to be a Catholic priest. Yikes. I know. I You'd know. be the worst. I would. Yeah. I really would. Anyway. Hard edit. Where were we? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Saying, saying goodbye. We were saying goodbye. Yes. yes. Please rate and review us on iTunes. We've had a ton of ratings on there. We get a couple more every week. We love seeing it. Just helps bump the numbers. Helps us get more views on the show. Yeah. If it's a five-star review, post it. If it's not, send it to us. That's right. And then we'll come fight you <laughs> in the street. <laughs> no, no, not really. No, we'll just question your integrity and intelligence. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then I'll fight you. <laughs> just kidding. I'm a coward. If you want to pick up some Ghost Story Guys merch, head on over to our website at ghoststoryguys.com. There you'll find links to our Redbubble store. If you want to pick up some t-shirts or mugs, things like that. If you want to pick up signed copies of our books or pins or Steve the Cheese Demon die cut stickers, we got 13 left. You can get those at ghoststoryguys.bigcartel.com. And uh, the difference there is those come directly from us. So you get, again, signed copies of our books, stickers you can't get anywhere else, things like this. And I guess that's going to do it. Yeah. I hope everyone has a safe and happy Halloween. Yes, very much so. Make smart choices. Don't go in the basement alone. Make sure you have the lights on. All those good things. And when in doubt, send Ian first. (laughs) We'll be back in two weeks with another show. And until then, into the darkness we go.
Is it weird? <laughs> what if I want to Oh my god. <laughs> you can't say that. Um, <laughs> no! Uh, <laughs> gross! <laughs> Let's try again. Okay! <clears throat> oh god! <laughs> well, I'll be cutting that out. <laughs> oh, and burning the file it's on. Pretty much. And then casting that file into the sun. <laughs> oh god. Oh, thank God. No, <laughs> it's me. <laughs> Please don't make that the triumph of music. You and your great ideas. I'm <laughs> Ian. I'm so smart. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Fuck me. Yeah, it suddenly occurred to me as I was saying, I'm like, that sounds a lot like, no, that is what that is. Okay, let's, let's qualify this. Yeah. Oh, boy. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park 